few years ago, well, quite a few years ago now, before we came here to Rockhampton, um, we were living in Chinchilla, and just about, uh, and I grew up close to Chinchilla, so I'd been fishing in the area when I was a little kid a number of different times, and and caught some decent fish out there, but... um, we, um, one of the guys that was in the church room actually worked at a fish farm out there. Now, fish farms actually make it a lot easier to do the, to the catching of the fish and then the eating of the fish. Um, which kind of, in a part, I think it's, it, it, you could say it's cheating, but again, if the goal is to catch a fish and take it home and eat it, then cheating's okay. Um, unless you just go into the shops and buy it, then there's, I think that's probably the worst kind of cheating. But anyway, we, um, we, he, this guy that worked out there sort of said, oh, do you, do you and a few of the other guys want to come out there and actually go fishing? And so I jumped at it. And, but there was a few of the guys that were part of the church, uh, a few of the younger guys, uh, in the youth group and young adults who went, yeah, I would like to come, but I've never been fishing before. And so basically, um, you were out there fishing and there was like these little dams where you could actually see the fish swimming. So you go, there's fish here. Like I know that there's, there's a potential and uh, probably not more than a potential. There's a probability I'm going to catch something. The problem was though, going with people that have never fished before, sometimes they become the work. The fish don't become the work. The people become the work because everything from making sure hooks don't go in fingers, or worse, if you look at the notices today, the, the fishing hook ended up somewhere where it shouldn't have gone. But the thing is, like, you've got that to worry about. Then you've got the things that go on the hooks, the various types of bait and, and other things like that. And so some people go, oh, I'm, I'm not touching that. I don't want to touch that. But then, like, it's so gross, but then I don't want to kill it either. I don't want to put it on the hook. So you had, so basically you're putting bait on hooks and then, and, and like they would try casting it out and they'd do okay. And they didn't have to cast it very far. They just had to get it out to where the fish were. But even that would become knotted rods. And I just remember the day we got out there early and I spent very little time with a rod in the water. But to make it worse, a couple of the younger guys that came out with us, they caught some decent-sized yellow belly. And so they brought them home, and then they went, we've never done any, we've never been fishing before, what do we do with them now? So it didn't end for me out at the dam. It, I had to come back, I had to scale and fill it and gut the fish, and, and they all looked quite happy that I had to do that because they didn't have to get their hands dirty and everything like that. And so... On the practical side of fishing, at times people don't, some people don't go fishing one because they don't like the smells, they don't know how to do it, they don't catch anything, and so they go, I'll leave that for the professionals. Bird's eye, they're the professionals, they seem to catch them all the time and they put them in the shops for me. I'll leave it to them and I'm not going to do it. In the same way as Christians, I think some of us feel like that the people that are going to be sharing uh, their faith and bringing people to Jesus, they're the professionals, the pastors, the people that have like been in the church for like 800 years and they know what they're talking about. Like, oh, I've, I've, I've only been a Christian for, for 30 years. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus yet. I've only been a Christian for 10 days. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus yet. And so we kind of, we leave it for someone else and so the whole idea of fishing becomes the pastor's job or the leader's job. 
But when we look at this story, one of the interesting things, when because Jesus is talking about not real fishing, he's talking about fishes of men. And so if Jesus was talking about trying to capture men for himself, you think that he would have gone to like a really fine-tuned rabbi school where the students were intelligent, they were eloquent, they were popular, they didn't smell like fish. All those would have been a plus. But where did he go? He actually went along the, the Sea of Galilee and he grabbed fishermen. Now, so if you go fishing these days, this may not be true about you, but the fishermen back then, as a job, it was a dangerous job. And so you did that job, maybe because it was part of the family business, but because you had no other education. There wasn't, you weren't sort of like um, going through your resume and going, oh, I choose fishing above everything else. It was, it might have been the, what the one thing that you were able to do and so you did it. And so basically, there, there, you didn't have a lot of choices. Like, again, it was a hard job. You would go out all night fishing and, and then basically come in the morning and, and try and clean your nets and fix your nets and, um, and, and, and repair them so that you could go out the next night. Day in, day out. So when it comes to people that you want to build a brand new church on, to build the kingdom of God on, these weren't the people that it's logical to pick. But I think that was the whole point that Jesus was trying to make, that God was trying to make. When it comes to building his church, he doesn't need what we think are the professionals. He needs people that are available. So if everyone here says, I'm available to God, God can use you to extend his kingdom net so that it reaches people and, and captures them for the kingdom. So, so that's going to be a bit of a premise today because, again, I've preached about it here and I'm sure you've heard it preached about by other people and, and, and this is the thought that goes through your head. He's talking about talking about um, people about Jesus. Oh, that's not my job. And you go, well, I'm going to switch off right now. So I've started it that way today to say, do you know what? You're all on the list. You all can hold your net or you're part of the net. Um, and so we can reach the kingdom of God. So last week we were, we were talking, uh, we began looking at that, the verse from uh, Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up, up to the shore and they sat down and collected all the good fish in baskets and threw the bad away. And so basically the premise last week was that, that, that instead of a fishing rod with targeted bait, where instead of, of just catching one person at a time, God's kingdom is like a net. Now, and it's not like one of those little dinky nets. I actually found the net I was looking for this week that we, we, the kids take down to the, the beach and you go to the rock pools. And I don't know if you've ever tried to catch one of those tiny little fish in a rock pool. It's not easy, is it? Like almost near impossible. Or if you catch one, it's probably already dead. Like, and you go, I caught one. Yeah, I think Jesus caught that one first. So, um, but the thing is, you go down and you follow these fish around with the net and they just swim and swim that way and they swim out into the deeper water and you go, okay, next one. And I think sometimes we fish like that as Christians. We may even have a net, but it's a small net and we're trying to sort of scoop up someone that is just too fast for what we're doing. And so the, the premise here is thinking like fishermen of these days, because this, this is how the disciples, this is how the people of the public would have understood it. When Jesus talked about a net, 
He would have been talking about a net that would have been spread between two boats or, or, or two groups of people and they would have had this wide net and they would have captured in all the fish as they're walking along and then they turn the net on itself and they pull it up and the fish are trapped inside. And so this is why, again, sharing our faith, being the church is never an individual occupation. It is a group effort. We are, we, are not, we are called to be this organism that sort of spreads together, grows together. And it's hard in the, our Western thinking at times because we think of the individual. I think it's one of the blessings I see with Islander culture. They think of the family. They think of the community. We think of the individual. And so we try and translate this in our, our own heads and go, I've got to take my rod out and catch someone but I can't get someone, so I'll give up. No, no, we're part of a net. And so that's why someone that you may be in your sights and you hook them in, you may invite them along and someone will say something to them or plant a seed and, and, and someone else will water that seed. Paul says that, that, yeah, Apollos watered some and planted some and I watered some and planted some, but all the glory goes to God. And so we see this time and time again. And so we, we get to this story today where, where Jesus is walking along the beach and he says in, in, in Mark uh, 1, 17 and 18, he says, And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Read a few verses later, the same invitation is given to John, James and John and they do the same thing. And what we see here is, is this first invitation of Christ. To follow me. To follow me. The invitation of Christ is a simple one when you think about it. Like, I don't, have you, has anyone ever been poached for a job? Someone sort of come up and they want to, they want you to do something and, and so what they do, they, they butter you up first. They tell you how good you are. And it may not be a paid job. It might be, okay, I need you to mow my backyard. And so they'll come along and they go, do you know what? Bert, I've seen you mow before. You do such a great job. Like, it's, it's perfect every single time. And you do it with such, such relative ease. Like, and you know what? I've got a lawn at my place that needs doing as well. Do you know what? I reckon that's a perfect lawn for you. Okay, so don't do that because Bert's already doing the lawn here, so he's already busy. But, but the thing is, so, so someone start, decides to butter you up to actually to hook you in. But we look at this passage, Jesus didn't do any buttering. He didn't come up to, to um, Peter and Andrew, though, Peter and Andrew, you look like you've got a good hold of the Old Testament. Uh, you actually like look really, for fishermen, you look really intelligent. Um, yeah, I, I reckon you guys should, should um, um, I've, I've actually got um, a career for you that's going to have major benefits. You don't have to work through the night anymore. It's a lot safer. Again, it wasn't much safer, like, um, but, but, he didn't do any of that. When you look at the verse, what did he say? He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There was no great aspect to it and, and, and you think that there must have been something more to it. Now, maybe there was a bit more to the story that we see as we look at compared to the other Gospels. Um, because when we jump to, um, we look at, into the Gospel of John and looking at chapter 1, there's a few verses there we're going to look at. And the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. So this is John the Baptist. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So Simon and Andrew were the first ones called in Mark. Um, and 
Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew um, did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So there probably was some interaction with Jesus before that, that, that time at the boat. They were already sort of had been drawn to Christ and what he was doing. Um, and so John makes, makes the point clear that of this, this ongoing relationship. Uh, and even the, about who Jesus was, like because John, John the Baptist mentioned that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God, the one who would be the Messiah. And so as this news spreads fast, um, and, 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 and I suppose Peter and Andrew and John, James and John have time to, to think on that, when Jesus puts that invitation to them to follow him, the response is, is very quick. And the thing is, they, they were ready to go. When John pointed out Jesus to his disciples and said, look, the Lamb of God, when, when, the, when the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, there's, there's an invitation there. Maybe when you ask your neighbour to come to a special service at our church, there's something that God has already been doing in the background that you are unaware of. And see, when any of these things happen, there is an invitation being extended. And when we extend the invitation, we actually extend the edge of the kingdom net. It goes wider. And to extend the invitation becomes an important thing. I don't know about you, but like receiving an invitation to something is usually a special thing. Unless someone actually gives you an invitation to come and mow a lawn. Like, again, that one may not be as exciting. But if you get invited to a birthday party, you, you feel a little bit special because they, they went, oh, you should be coming. Uh, in fact, like if you're doing a wedding and you're getting your, your list of people together, you feel excited even about inviting those people and you look forward to those people coming and joining with you. The same with a birthday party. You look forward to your friends and your family coming and celebrating with you and there's an excitement there. Kids come home from school. I've got invited to a party, mummy and daddy. Can I go? And so there's an excitement there for them as they, as they, as they receive that invitation. And so it becomes this a really important thing for us as a church because as we think about this for a moment, the gospel means good news, something of excitement. And all of us here to, uh, are here today uh, are more than willing and all of us here today are more than willing to invite anyone into good news we have to share. Like, think about something that really good that has happened even in the past month. Do you struggle sharing that with someone? Like, oh, I've got a brand new car. We tell people about that. Got a new job. We tell people about that. I'm having a baby. I'm not having a baby, but just using that as an example before there's any comments from the, from the audience. Um, but but you, you, you feel excited about sharing those good news. And we have good news in our hands. The gospel is inviting by nature because good news is always worth sharing. And last week we talked about how the kingdom net gathers fish of every kind. Or said another way, the net is indiscriminate as it gathers. There is a great reminder for us as we spread the kingdom net to others. If, if we'll share pictures of our kids with strangers on airplanes, then why wouldn't we also share the good news of Christ? For some of us, we're willing to share anything and everything on Facebook. 
Now, you, you think about it for a second. For those who are on Facebook semi-regularly, there are strange things that are shared there. People will share the meal that's in front of them. I've got to take a photo of this and share it with you. I'm going, okay, if it's a great meal and I'm really hungry, I'm actually going to get envious. I'm going to dislike you a little bit. So don't share that with me. Like, if you are on a holiday somewhere, like, okay, you, you want to share that, but again, envious and jealous of you, not liking you a little bit. But, like, we'll share all kinds of things. And, and there, are, there are some strange things. My point is, if we're willing to share all those things, why wouldn't we be willing to share about, not only that, it's not good news, it is great news about Jesus Christ. What, what he's come to do in our life, what he's come, has done in our own lives already. Maybe we, th- we think we have to save it for those we think are ready for it. Well, that's that fishing rod mentality. Oh, this person's not ready for the gospel, I'm not going to share with them. This person's unworthy of the gospel, I'm not going to share it with them. Maybe we're acting like the kingdom screening agents. And maybe we need to remember this is not how Jesus did it. We learn the disciples are, are not perfectly polished group. And, and think about it for a moment, about the kinds of people gathered together through Christ in the Gospels. And these are just some of the ones we know about. Peter, uneducated, mouthy fisherman. Some of you may fit into that category. Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Matthew, a tax collector. Mary was about to be stoned for her sins. Yet these were people that were called to Christ, that were caught up in his net and that actually extended the net of the kingdom of God. If these same people were pre-screened for their kingdom worthiness, how many of them do you think would have made the final cut? Like, when you read the Gospels, if we view it with that viewpoint, if we view it with some of the expectations of what the church has today, you go along to some of these leadership summits, these are the people that you are looking for to be leaders in your church. It would have discriminated against most of the disciples. I, I read this thing a number of years ago and it looked at like this employing sort of authority of, of the disciples. And in the end it came to the conclusion there was only one person worthy of following Jesus because of his background in organisation, finance and leadership. And that was Judas. And that's the thing, we get to a point where God looks at things differently. Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, 18 that he's building a church and we learn elsewhere what his, this gathered group might look like. John's vision from Revelation 7, 9, remember from last week. After this I looked and therefore, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. Revelation makes it quite clear that everyone is invited. We probably just need to hand out the invitations. Isaiah 49.6 says, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Now, when we go camping, we've got, for those who have... have aware of caravans and all. On the door, there is a light you can turn on and off and there's some lights on the, on the outside of the van. So basically, when you get up during the night, 
there are some lights so you don't trip on everything that the kids have left at the door or, or step on that cane toad that's come to visit or that wiggly stick that's come to visit or something like that. There's light there for you. Now, if you want to stop the light working, you've actually got to cover it up, but that's counterproductive. Well, Jesus calls us to be light. And so if our light is not shining, we are covering it up, which is kind of going against the idea of light. In and through Christ, we know that the invitation is extended to all. No pre-screening, no value assessments, just the good news of saving faith. And what we see in response to Jesus in his first disciples is a radical response to his invitation. Because what did they do? What did the disciples do when Jesus said, come follow me? They dropped their nets. Did they fold it, clean them up? Did they pack them away? I bet you their dads were furious because they would have been left with that job. But straight away they said the most important thing for us to do is our immediate response. It's to show our faith. As I've already mentioned, the original disciples probably heard whispers of Jesus before this point of time. And Jesus had already spent time out in the desert um, uh, facing the temptation of the devil. It's likely the early disciples had some inkling of what was about to begin under the, the ministry of Jesus. And we see that basically Simon, who became Peter, and Andrew, James and John all immediately left what they were doing and followed after Jesus. See, the Gospel of Mark actually is a book of of action. It's a book of immediacy. And so we actually see this highlighted there that the disciples responded to Christ's invitation, literally walking off the jobs and following after him. Can you even imagine walking out of your job? I bet you some of you have actually imagined doing it. Um, maybe some of you imagine doing it every day. Uh, maybe as you leave at the end of each day, you feel like this is going to be the last time I'm not coming back ever. But that's exactly what these disciples did. For some here today, that you may have left jobs to pursue ministry. You may have left jobs to pursue some other dream that God has given you. Um, but there is an idea of immediate faith and obedience that's important to take note of. Because sometimes like that immediate obedience is, is necessary. Because... Think about it in a few contexts. So, like sometimes, if you say, so, say you've, you've, you're, you're heading out, you say to your kids, "Get these jobs done before we get home." So you don't have to do it straight away, but it may not get done until just before you get home. So that's there's a little bit of a leeway there. Maybe you're doing something dangerous, and someone tells you to stop. Now. The thing is, they're wanting you to stop straight away. It's not like, okay, if you keep walking that way, you're going to touch it. Or there's a snake there on the ground, you're going to stand on it. Or there's electrical wires there, you're going to stand on them. Put it this way. You're doing something that you should not be doing. And people with flashing lights and, and, and special uniforms tell you to stop. Now, if we responded the same way we responded to God at times, saying, not yet, not quite, no, I'm not really ready for this, um, I think you've got the wrong person. The police may actually make our immediate response necessary and we may do a special electrical dance as they taser us for running away from them. Because that's the thing, we run away from God, don't we? 
if God was a police officer, we, a lot of us, me included, would be in a lot of trouble right now. I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit would actually treat, do a taser effect on us, but I think it would be pretty impressive. But God doesn't act like that. He gives us a choice and he hopes for us to have that immediate response. Because of the principle here that Jesus calls us to follow him. And, and this, this is where it becomes a daily principle. We, we see Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to take up your cross and follow me when you want. Now, some of you are okay with that. I don't see some people are going, no, I don't think it says that. Some of you are actually going, I'm okay with that. When I want, I'll follow you when I want. No, it says actually follow God daily. That's Monday to Friday and Saturdays and Sundays. You're going, but, but I go to church on Sundays, Monday and Friday's work, Saturday's my day. Every day God wants me to follow him. Yes. 365, 366 in a leap year, so you don't feel like you've got a day off that year for the rest of your life. That's what God is hoping for us. Now, again, I'm not saying God is going to call us to, to be at work all the time, saving people and doing this and, and helping people out all the time, but God does put a call on our lives. And this is the thing I know in, in my own life and I've seen in the life of others, when people are called by God to do something, and it's going to be, I've been really excited this year as I've watched people who have a, a passion for a certain area going, can I do this? And I'm going, if God is whispering that to you, yes, go for it. See where God takes you with that. I'm not skilled in that area and I'd love to see you doing that. It's been really exciting to see that. But this is the premise. If, if God says, I want you to do this one thing, it might be talk to your neighbours. It might be do something with your family. It might be talk to someone in your workplace. And you go, no, not yet. Maybe tomorrow. I'm not ready yet. I'm not a professional Christian yet, God. It's not for me. Every time we delay that response to God, this is what I found to be true in my life. It is harder to hear God the next time. Every time I say no to God, it's like I get spiritual earwax sort of building up in my life. And then I hear God calling and I go, what, what was that? Didn't catch that one? Oh, when you're back next time, you can tell me. And all of a sudden, I hear God less and less. And the thing is, I don't feel guilty because I'm not following God. I just... I'm apathetic. I'm, I'm sort of not really doing the things that God wants me to do. And God goes looking for someone who's available and willing to say yes straight away. Again, God does not call the qualified. He calls the available. When Jesus calls, it would be good to answer him. And so... When Jesus called, people got up and followed him. And for the rest of us who aren't Jesus, it is our job simply to extend the invitation to everyone we can. Some will respond in haste. I, I remember a story of that, and I may have shared this before, but I was at a, a party of one of the kids that was from my youth group, 18th birthday party. He'd been kicked out of school. He'd invited me along. It was just pretty much alcohol everywhere. And I went, do you know what? I love this kid. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my half an hour, say I've been to the party, and then I'm going to go because I don't want to be in that environment. 
Anyway, sitting around a fire and I was watching my watch. I seriously was. Across the fire, this guy that had started drinking before the party had even begun found out that I went to church and how I got invited to the party. And he said, I wish someone would tell me a bit more about God. I'm looking at my watch. God, I don't have time to talk to him because I'm going. My half an hour is almost up. And lo and behold, basically, and, and I'm thinking, this guy is so drunk, he's not going to remember anything I'm going to say. So I'm, I'm already doing all the things I'm telling you not to do. I'm going, this guy's not going to hear. I'm, he's not qualified. He's not ready to receive this. This is not worth doing. Anyway, we start talking about different things and half an hour becomes an hour. And I'm going, okay, I'll see if this guy is any serious. So I, there's something we can do. It's called Christian Explain. It takes about, yeah, six weeks to do. Would you be interested in doing that? Sometime we can catch up. And he goes, yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. So I went, I'll leave it there. He's probably not even going to remember. I'm still doing that thing. He's not even going to remember who I am. And anyway, so I try and sort of make my escape out the front, find the birthday boy, say goodbye to him. And this guy, his name's Wayne, follows me out the front. And we talk for another half an hour out the front about what's going on in his life and things like that. And I sort of eventually sort of jump in my car, drive off, head on home for the night. Do the right thing because that's I, I said I would, and I, I'm, I'm. He's not going to say yes to doing this. He's not going to say yes to doing this. I, I rang him up, got his phone number, rang him up a few days later. I'm not sure if you remember me because you weren't really in a good place the other night when I spoke to you. But we spoke about doing Christianity Explained, and I, I probably even said it this way: Do you really want to do that? Like going. And I was waiting for him to say, nah, on the other end of the phone, goes, oh, I'll catch you around then and hang up. Just so I'd done all the things that I was meant to do. Tick everything off. He said yes. I was like, okay, wasn't expecting that answer. Wasn't expecting any of this to happen. And so we didn't take six weeks to do it. We ended up taking 12 weeks to do it because we talked about a whole range of things. Questions come up here and there. And, 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 and the thing is, it was one of those guys that, by the time we got to the end, if those who have done Christian Eggs Explain, it comes to the end and it gives people the option to make a choice to follow Jesus. And so I've, I'm following it very precisely. We're getting through what we get through and, and we got to the end of it and I said, oh, um, so do you understand the choices you are, that are in front of you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was ready ages ago to make the choice. I just thought I had to wait. And so I prayed with him. He became a Christian. He was still rough around the edges. Jesus did, had to still do a work in his life. But he was saved. He was someone that I would have, still to this day, I would probably struggle to go, I'd be going, God, is this, is this someone you want me to share with? Like, it's just getting a clarification. Is this someone you are asking me to, to tell you about you? And I think a lot of us are like that. But God... And I suppose this is the prayer for myself, is that we would be open to those times that God says, follow me. Share with that person. Show some love to that person. And again, we show love in different ways. It might just be helping someone through a tough time. And all of a sudden that opens up a door for us to share faith. Or it's an opportunity to invite them along to uh, some of our events. And again, I'm, I don't know if you noticed during the notice today, we have got so much stuff for us as a church to connect with our friends and family with. 
the men are doing stuff, the women are starting next weekend, the seniors are doing stuff, the youth are doing stuff, stuff is happening for the kids in the coming weeks. It is going to be a real great opportunity to actually extend our net. Now, what Jesus is saying to you right now, and again, search search your heart on this. Take some time to be quiet before God and say, God, um, is there someone you're wanting me to invite? Is there someone you're wanting me to share with? And you know what? I have never prayed that prayer and come up with a non-response from God. God has never ever said to me, I wish he did sometimes, Keith, you've actually done enough. Um, you're actually on the bench for the next um, 12 months. You don't have to do anything more. You are an amazing disciple. Like, God has never said any of that stuff to me. He's never said, I've always had a name. Most of the time it's more than one. I, I kind of regret it initially going, because I'm going, okay, God, I asked for one name. Okay, who's the overachiever now? You've given me three or four. And then all of a sudden it's my response to do what I can with that. And, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter where you are. Every one of us will have opportunity to extend the net of the kingdom. That becomes part of, of, of following Christ. If we are going to be his disciples, we are, we are going to be people that will draw others. So as Jesus called the disciples, Jesus calls us. He's wanting us to drop our nets, to step off the boat and to start walking with him. Inviting anyone and everyone to come along for the ride. It is the greatest, most amazing and challenging journey that any of us will ever take. And following Jesus, as many of us, many of you know, and as many have learned throughout history, it isn't always easy. Again, I've been challenged this week by people in our church who have been standing up for their faith in their workplaces and just saying, hey, it's important for Christians to be recognised in this workplace with everything else that's going on. It's great to see Christians doing that. One author put it like this, My experience with following indicates that it can be even more difficult than leading. Following requires humility, risk, attention, awareness and guts. It means serving someone else's agenda and following his cues. Following requires that I let go of my own way and trail the leader. But everything in me resists trailing behind someone else. Especially when I think I can make my own way or lead just as well. Following for any length of time tests both character and steadfastness. And uh, that was written by Adele Calhoun. No one here would ever think that they, their opinion, if it differs from God, that, that they're wrong, do they? We, 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 we kind of... We think we're right. We go, well, no, God, I think you've actually made a bit of a mistake here. Like, we may not say that out loud, but our actions will say, well, God, you've called me to go this way. You forgot about this way here. And um, when you catch up, I won't say I told you so. Our actions do that. I'm glad that God doesn't often say I told you so to me. He has every opportunity at times, probably too many times. But the importance for us is to follow. We need to lay down our agenda, our expectations, our hopes and dreams. It can cost us to follow Jesus. And what do you gain in return? 
Well, an eternity, a forever family, a divine love and acceptance, unlike anything this world has to offer. So again, let's drop the nets, let's step off the boat, let's answer the call, extend the invitation to others and share the good news. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that someone extended invitations to each one of us here. That we have had the opportunity to come and to be a part of your family, to come to a saving faith through you, to confess our sins and accept the life that you have for us, to know your grace and your forgiveness. It is fantastic news that we have been given. And too often we guard it like a treasure that no one should ever see. And so, Lord, I pray that you challenge each one of us today because you are ready to use those who are available, that we would be willing to drop our nets, step off the boat and follow you. Where you call, Lord. If you call us this week to to share something in our workplace or to show love in our workplace or to set an example in our workplace, Lord, I pray that we would be quickly aware and that we would quickly say yes. Lord, we we leave the fruit to you. We, We leave the responses of others to you. But Lord, let us do our part in extending the kingdom net to those around us. I pray we do see those who have come to know you in our church in coming months. Those who have have received the, the grace of God in their life and we will be able to rejoice in that fact together. Lord, I pray that we would hear your call and that we would say yes. We pray this in your most powerful name. Amen.